Yep, it's 112, baby. This is Katie Kermitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from business women who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. I've got a great story to share with you today, but before we begin, it is time for our Biz Women Wednesday series. Every single Wednesday before our main interview, we take a second to shine the light on an amazing woman who's a part of the Biz Women Rock community. And today that light goes on Kelly Parker of Bully Brigade and All Training. Brigade is a very hard word to say, (laughs) my goodness. Anyway, she does dog training and she has been a very active uh, part of the BWR community, especially in our private Facebook group, the BWR Connect. She's always posting really great, helpful articles, really great support for all of the other ladies. She does incredible dog training, so you've got to go see her. Um, she specifically loves um, pit bulls and any pit bull mixes, but she works as, with all sorts of dogs. So Kelly, great job for everything that you're doing, and thank you so much for being such an active part of the Biz Women Rock community. If you want to find out more about Kelly or you want to find out how you can be highlighted in our Biz Women Wednesday series, just go to bizwomenrock.com. Now let's get on with the show. Do you remember when you were a little kid and you would receive a package in the mail and it was like the most exciting thing ever? Well, Donna Khalif, who's my guest today, has created an entire business out of giving kids that kind of joy, and doing it in a way that includes hands-on learning. She and her sister created a company called Surprise Ride, which is really a hands-on activity box that gets delivered every single month. Some of her packages might be, you know, the history of a volcano and what a volcano does, and that it actually includes like a real volcano piece, or one about birds, which of course I would love to have. And, um, you know, like you end up building a birdhouse. So they're very activity-based. I mean, just really creative. Anyway, during this conversation, she goes into all the components that really make her business run, how even though it's a really customized and um, personal box and product, they still have really automated a lot of it, which is very interesting. She talks about her experience on Shark Tank and the effects that that's had on her business, what kind of retention rate she has with renewing clients. Um, Just really awesome conversation about the, the intricacies of her business. So I'm really excited for you to hear this one. So let's roll. Donna, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited that you're here. Um, We have a lot to talk about in your business. I have to say at the forefront, I find your business as a model very, very interesting and just the product that that you have created really awesome. Um, and I'm really excited to share with everyone your kind of your philosophy on things and how you've done it. Um, but I, you know, I found it very interesting that you were actually born in Dubai um, and then, you know, moved to Canada as a young kid. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's just really interesting and probably has a lot to do with kind of who you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's certainly been an interesting journey. So I was, every one of my family members, I'm one of four kids was actually born in a different uh, country. So, and, and there's really no good reason for that. Um, 
when uh, when I was a little kid, there was a, a war in Lebanon, and it kind of displaced a lot of a lot of people trying to find a, a better home. So I was actually born in Dubai, and then we moved back to Lebanon when I was a little uh, toddler, and then had to leave in the middle of the night, um, you know, during the war when I was six. So we ended up. Uh, in Cyprus, actually, we went, we left by boat, ended up in Cyprus, wow. and then made our, our journey uh, to Canada, which, you know, was a very welcoming place for us. And, and that's really where I consider home uh, growing up. You know, that's where my, my childhood memories kind of were made. Right. Um, and since then, we, we still moved around a lot. You know, when I was in uh, middle school and high school, went to a lot of different schools. Um, I've lived in a lot of parts of the U.S., from Massachusetts, uh, you know, Boston and New York, down in Texas, I've lived in LA, now I'm in DC. So uh, I've really gotten a good feel for all the different cultures uh, in the US. It's been it's been so much fun to just meet people from different parts of the world and learn about different cultures. And I think that's really shaped kind of who, who we are now as, as people. Do you remember, like, do you have that actual memory of kind of like escaping in the middle of the night to go to Canada? Yeah, it's funny because... Um, so when I was a kid, I didn't even realize that that was the memory I had. It wasn't until I was older, I was telling my mom once, and I said, and she told me about this boat trip, and I said, oh, I definitely remember that, because I was actually wearing my brother's Superman shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it had a giant S on the front, and, um, you know, you, we fled in the middle of the night, and you couldn't have any light, you know, peering from the boat, because enemy ships might see that, and then bad news for the boat. So, you know, you couldn't even light up a cigarette or, or turn on any light. And when they when they completely shut off the lights, my shirt was beaming with this glow-in-the-dark S. Oh, no. That's crazy. <laughs> so I was so frightened. <laughs> I had no idea that his shirt actually glow in the dark, which would have been really cool under different circumstances. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I distinctly remember that night and just kind of hugging my mom and trying to make it stop glowing. Of course, when a shirt glows, you can't really make it stop. But... Um, you know, that's the that's the memory I have of that night. And the rest of the journey, I don't really remember that much. It was just that initial, you know, fear of, of, have, of being the only light <laughs> shining on the boat. Wow. So how, like, when were you first kind of, like, bitten by the business bug? I mean, I, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of your, the start of your career. Like, when did you start knowing that you were, like, a businesswoman? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, I mean, as uh, when I was in college, I actually started out as a biomedical engineering major, so it's completely different. I was I loved math and I loved biology, but I was sort of afraid of hospitals. Um, the, my empathy kind of got got the best of me when I was in a hospital, and I just get really sad. So, I thought, well, how can I combine these? And I decided I was going to be a biomedical engineer, <laughs> and then um, and I got scholarships to do to do just that and. I just didn't really enjoy those courses when I was in school, and I started looking for another major. Um, my parents weren't really excited about that. You know, when you're uh, you come from an immigrant background, there's there's sort of only certain careers that that your family supports you with, and it's you know become a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. <laughs> That's kind of how they see it. Um, so uh, when I decided to major in, in finance and in international relations, my parents kind of looked at me and said you know, majoring in business, you, you don't really need to major in that, you know. People can start businesses without a major in business. Um, and while, you know, I certainly agree with that, I think the education is immensely helpful. Um, and I think the, the level of business that I was 
dreaming about was completely different than the one maybe that they that they thought I was going after. <laughs> so, well, well, what was that? Because, you know, I definitely want to slide in here into the fact that you are very much into social entrepreneurship. So tell, talk a yes. little bit about sort of where, you know, you're getting this education about business. Um, but, you know, coming from the social impact landscape is, a, I mean, that's a whole different thing about it. So explain a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I think uh, having this sort of uh, global perspective on the world, just from how I grew up and then majoring in international relations, I was determined that, you know, although I may not work in the field, um, I wanted to learn about the history of the world and, and how all these different cultures interact and, and um, you know, where, where the future might be in terms of, you know, eliminating poverty, solving for peace, all these really big social issues. And I think coupled with my interest in business and my passion for it, I started sort of seeing connections, you know, um, companies were getting to be as big as countries, if not bigger. And it just was like, wait a minute, these corporations have as much, if not more say in how the world evolves um, than these governments. And so it really kind of opened up my my eye even in college to this to the idea that I could apply business principles to solving social issues or to just making an impact. Um, and then, you know, I ended up working on Wall Street for, for um, after undergrad. And I think it sort of, uh, that thinking kind of got put on hold until I went back and did my MBA and rediscovered social entrepreneurship at Harvard. Uh, and it just kind of reignited me. And I thought, wow, this is what I wanted to be doing. You know, this is what I, this is my, this is sort of my path. Um, and then that's how Surprise Ride was born. Well, tell, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, first, let's explain exactly like what it is and then how you got the idea and why you think sure. it's so, like, why did it fit into this desire to really have a social impact and to allow your business to do that? Yeah, so I mean, we were certainly not solving, you know, a major social issue through Surprise Ride. But we, we think we are in a small way. So what we do is, um, you know, we, we've designed a subscription service for kids where once a month they get a surprise box in the mail that's got everything they need to explore a new world. Um, and it's all done through hands-on learning. So we've done everything from, um, you know, discover ancient Egypt uh, by digging a, a treasure, you know, out of an excavation kit um, to learning about Vincent Van Gogh, you know, his style of art. Um, creating your own little masterpiece in the style of Van Gogh. You know, we've done everything from that to learning about volcanoes and different foods like chocolate. Chocolate is actually a fruit. You know, it's not just a, um, a, a, a this brown thing wrapped in, <laughs> in paper that you find at your grocery store. Just kind of opening up kids to the notion that everything around you is fair game. Ask questions and, you know, seek that knowledge. Mm. So, I mean, when you guys were first coming up with that, well, I guess let's start with how did you come up with the idea? Yeah. So, you know, we, we often get this question, how do you guys come up with these ideas? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, and we don't really have a systematic approach. I mean, I think that at the heart of it, we as individuals are just very curious people. So, um, in my day-to-day, -day, I'm just constantly getting, uh, getting ideas, you know. Um, for example, right now I'm holding a pen uh, I, I look at this pen and I go, well, wow, we, something we take for granted now, but I wonder who invented the pen, what makes it work, you know, what was the first pen like versus maybe the one that I've got in my hand. And, and you could really create a whole themed box around that that simple thing and, and just kind of spark curiosity in kids that 
everything around you began somewhere um, and just get that sort of inventor feel um, going. So, you know, the ideas come very organically from things around us. They also come from memories of our own childhood. You know, we grew up, um, my dad was an artist, and we did a, a ton of projects at home with him. You know, he's just very creative. So um, we, he would make his own paint, so he would mix chemicals, and we learned a little bit about science and colors. Um, he would take a painting and and think, well, how could I add, you know, how could I light part of this up? Maybe I could run an electric wire through here. And so he was just very creative. He would use coins from all over the world and his art and stamps and just all kinds of cool stuff. So we often tap into our childhood and go, I really enjoy doing this one activity. I wonder if we could bring that back in some way and introduce kids today in the mo- modern digital world um, to this very simple, fun project. I love that. You know what that equates to me for when I was a little a little girl, there's six kids in my family. So like anytime we were doing anything, it was like a, a gang of people. Like you, you were never yeah. alone doing anything. So, so much fun, yeah. We used to invite um the neighborhood kids over to our house. Um, it was like on a Saturday afternoon. They would pay a quarter to come and do arts and crafts. Oh and our arts and crafts projects literally were like, um, you know, old soup cans. And we would wrap oh, yeah. y- colored yarn around it. And you'd have like a pencil oh, holder. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's so much fun, right? Yeah, it's, it's very simple stuff like that. that but, you know, that's a that's a memory that, that you created that you, you probably wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so sometimes even just simple materials like that. Yeah. Can, I mean, definitely not nearly really as special. sophisticated as your dad, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I know we had it pretty good. But um, <laughs> honestly, it's funny because, you know, growing up, you take things like that for granted. You think, well, doesn't everybody have a, a stay-at-home dad who's a full-time artist? I mean, isn't that how, how all the kids are growing up? Um, a starving artist, might I add. But... Really, you know, it wasn't until um, I was much older and I have two nephews and I realized that most parents have two full-time working parents away from home and parents are so busy and they just don't have time to come up with good, healthy, fun projects for their kids to do. They want to um, and with a little bit of help, you know, they would love that and that's really where we came up with the idea. We started designing activities for our nephews and they would come over and say, hey, can we do more projects? And then we realized, well, wait a minute. This is, they're really enjoying this. I, I, I wasn't sure if they would, but they really love it and they're learning. And how can we now scale this and offer it to other families? That is so cool. So, you know, go into what your actual business model is. Like, how do you guys sure. have this set up and how do you generate revenue? Yeah, so, I mean, we're a subscription based model, um, it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's you know, similar to um, kind of your, your classic magazine model where you might order. Uh, a magazine for a set number of months at a time or just have it come once a month and, you know, choose to cancel it at some point. But we really bring that magazine to life. So what we send you is a box with all the supplies and instructions you need to explore a new world or a new subject. Um, we always include a book and a snack in the boxes, and, and we add, you know, for instance, in that Egypt box, we had papyrus imported from Egypt so kids could really feel um, what that was like. So it really rounds out that experience and makes it memorable for them. But, um, you know, from a profitability perspective, uh, it's, a, it's a really very simple business model. I mean, it's, it's you know, the expenses against those revenues are all the cost that goes into designing the activities and adding value to, to those kids and also just the supplies and the books and the snacks and all that good stuff that goes in there. Well, I was going to ask you, are you 
I mean, are you actually customizing and creating the product, the actual things that are going inside? Or are you you're using a book about Egypt and this is one that you yeah. really love and that so you're going to, you know, buy all of those in bulk and actually put this package together? Like, where are you getting all those little pieces right. that go inside the box? So we do a little bit of both. Um, we source a lot of our products from companies that sell to educators. Uh, so things that you might... Um, you know that certain so in, in some cases you know the education system is is just so has so diverse you know some kids get exposed to a lot more stuff than others so there's companies that sell to educators that we source a lot of our product from um and then there's things that we get from you know other places i gave you the example of the papyrus we felt it was really important to add that um we also got chamomile tea from egypt for kids to try uh, we did a volcano theme box where we got them a piece of lava rock for them. You know, you just learned about volcanoes. You built your own. You erupted it. Now here's a piece of a real volcano. Wow. And we sort that, that is for so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's what takes a little bit of, um, uh, you know, a lot more, I would say, research and work. And then finally, we do design a lot of the stuff ourselves. We did uh, a really fun superhero theme for the month of October this month. Um and we designed a whole book that teaches kids how to draw comics. Um, and that was a complete, you know, surprise ride design. We've got an amazing illustrator on the team and uh, who did everything from scratch. So it's kind of a mix, I would say, overall. But it's nice to have that one constant, you know, that those companies that sell to educators because it does create a little bit more um, consistency. Now, this seems like a very logistical, detailed business and sort of bringing these pieces together to be able to make this this box and then you know I know you guys your major sales all happen online like people are coming and finding you online they're you know clicking yes subscribe me and then they get their box automated um you know like how are you actually scaling this like because I can imagine that probably your first steps are really just to make these processes as efficient as possible but there's still a lot of manual labor that really goes into putting all this together so how what are your plans on scaling or how have you seen success in actually scaling this right well we um so we design everything you know in-house obviously at our offices um, we have a, a Montessori school teacher on the team as well. We, we test the activities on kids, uh, on parents to see if they can follow the instructions and things like that. And once we have a box designed, um, at that point we order kind of the inventory in bulk and we have it shipped to our, um, our fulfillment center that then packages it and, and ships it out to customers, you know, as according to how, how we'd like it displayed and so forth. So, you know, in that sense, um, that final piece, the operations are actually fairly simple. Uh, you know, once a month, we have a huge shipment of boxes that go all over the country to to kids, and they're addressed in their name because kids love to get mail. Right. Um, so it's a lot of fun. And, and so r- really that, that initial design process is what uh, what takes time. And we've got, you know, by now we've got kind of systems in place and um things that we are aiming to to deliver through that experience that we make sure we check the box off and, and, and all those testers that really help facilitate that process and make it a little bit more scalable. And it is fun and you definitely make it a unique so experience. Like, you know, like I, I was on your website and there's like, you can click on the link to actually have somebody print out their own like personalized written card and there's all these really great yes. designs. And I just thought th- there's a lot of 
Um, I'm always fascinated by businesses who can make something so personalized and customized, but make it in a way that is automated and scalable. I think that's a very, um, very hard thing to do. It's very special. So it sounds like you guys have really done a good job doing that. It is a difficult thing to do. I mean, I think that you, um, you know, sometimes you start, you just, I think if you just take things in steps and you just start small, you know, you, you, for, for you handwrite those notes and you just think about every single customer in that initial group of maybe hundred. Right. Uh, and then you start implementing some automation there. Um, even if it's just for you to get notified when someone does add that gift note or, or what have you, just those little steps. Uh, and then, you know, as you grow, you add more automation and so forth. But uh, ultimately, you just have to always be thinking, how can I make something more efficient? And uh, having spent a number of years working in investment banking where the hours are just so long, I think I was trained very early on to, to think about efficiencies in the process. Um, otherwise, you never got to go home and you never got to sleep. So right, right. I was, I was very good at thinking, um, you know, from a young age, how can I take the step that I do every day? You know, how can I make that... Um, take me less and less and less time, and then how can I delegate it to folks who are maybe better at it than I am? <laughs> I think that's a really important thing And as a startup is, you know, your time is valuable, and there's some things you're good at, and there's some things maybe others are better at, and just learning um, to to get those things off your plate can make a huge difference. Uh, well, and that brings me to the fact that you and your sister run this company together. So what role do you have? Like, how do you spend your time, and how do you guys make sure that you're not stepping on each other's toes? Oh yeah, that 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 often comes up too. I mean, um, I think we really embody the 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 roles and the titles sort of that we took on early on. So as CEO, uh, I really focus more on the brand and thinking of strategic partnerships, maybe that we would, uh, you know, we would do with Surprise Ride. Uh, certainly the the fundraising aspect of things and the hiring and things like that. Um, you know, bringing on. Convincing, I should say, you know, really smart people to join our team and get excited, um, you know, and get behind the cause. And then Rosie, as COO, focuses a lot more just on kind of running operations, making our making sure our customers stay happy, um, you know, managing uh, different team members kind of more in an HR setting and just kind of, you know, being there for them as needed. And then as far as the product design, I mean, we've got people focused on that, but really we still are very much hands-on and involved in that product, and we share in that process, I should say, and we share that that role. Um, That's not one person's task. It's very much a team effort, and it's a very creative process. So, you know, stepping on each other's toes is an interesting way to put it. I think um, if you respect each other as founders, it's very easy to work together. I think it's hard if you don't respect each other's opinion. Then it gets a little tricky. Yeah, that's very true. I'm just imagining in like your brainstorming sessions over, you know, new product ideas like yeah. giant whiteboards, balls bouncing exactly. around the office, you know, like little koozies <laughs> there, you know, just totally. a very, very creative process. Um, have you been to our office? I know. It like you have. <laughs> There's a lot of candy. There's a lot of chocolate. How sugar helps the creative process. <laughs> so, you know, we always joke that, um, you know, we found that creativity comes in waves and, when you're on one of those waves, you really have to write it. You know, when you when you you're getting a ton of ideas, you've got to write them down, and be very detailed in how you write them down because you'll take it for granted. You'll say, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'm sure I'll remember it." You know, when I'm working on that thing, but then you come back around, and sometimes your creativity is just you're a little tired. You know, yeah. you've been working on other stuff that day or what have you. 
Um, so I always really encourage the team, if you're ever having one of those really good creative ways, just write everything down, link it, be detailed, um, because you don't know when it'll come back. Right. Now, you know, I want to get into how you have actually grown your business, meaning how you have acquired more clients, which really means how have you marketed and been able to get people's eyes on you. And I can't talk about that without talking about your Shark Tank experience because that's been pretty pivotal, pivotal <laughs> yeah, in right. that experience. So um, answer, before we talk about Shark Tank, can you talk a little bit about how you were growing your business before you did that and what that really looked like? Like what kind of marketing strategies that were, were you using? You know, how many people were really coming to your website? How many people were really buying? Like give us that snapshot before we, yeah, before we go into Shark sure. Tank. Yeah, so before Shark Tank, I mean, we, um, you know, we really bootstrapped this company. We started with a, with just very little. Um, it was just an idea. It was, a, it was an organic idea that we both um, became really passionate about and thought, wait a minute, are we really going to do this? Let's do it. But, you know, initially our goal was to get the first 100 customers. We just kept consistently hearing from other founders that um, that was a very critical, important group that you could learn a lot from. So, um I think initially we thought, you know, who would who would enjoy this product, and we were very clear on our target markets. And for us, it was on one side, you know, moms and dads, um, parents, and on the other side, gift givers, um, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents, people who want to play a role in a child's life but maybe can't do it on a day-to-day basis. And so this box kind of connects them every month. Uh, they they can make a phone call or they can do the activities with the kids, and it's a way for them to um, stay connected. So we, we wanted that 100 to have a healthy mix of both just so we could learn from them. Um, and so we started with just friends and family and really begging everyone we knew to tell everyone they knew. Uh, <laughs> and that got us kind of the first, you know, small group. It was great. Um, and then we went and uh, started just kind of pitching our product to bloggers, uh, particularly mom and parenting bloggers. And we got some... Um, great reviews, you know, where we'd, we'd offer to send them a free box. And I think it's always just a great way, you know, in, in, in exchange for nothing, I would love for you to enjoy this box. And if you like it, you know, we would really appreciate you writing a review about it or telling your um, your followers. And it's, it's always worked really well for us. And that kind of got us to that first hundred pretty quickly. Very cool. Now, I have a question about your pricing structure because you're you're priced as like a subscription model. So much like a magazine, like, oh, I could just buy this for, you know, $29.99 a month. Um, or if I want to buy a six months worth, I can do that for less, like $24.99 a month or what have you. Right, right. What, what kind of retention do you have? Like what is the average time that someone will actually pay monthly? Because you, you got kind of like the best of the monthly world, but then you definitely have people like, the, you know, I, are they staying on for two years or is it, what is their average time to stay on? And, and what are you guys doing to, to try and, um, or are you trying to make that a longer time period? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, I would say, um, funny enough, our, our very first customer was not someone that we knew. It was someone who um, I had put, uh, I think, on like a, either my Twitter account or angel list or something that I was going to start this company called Surprise Ride. Um, and when we took it live, when we took the site live just to test credit cards and things like that, somehow this woman happened to be visiting um, you know, one of those accounts and clicked on it and saw the site live and signed up. And nice. I thought, surely we did something wrong, you know? <laughs> I thought, okay, good job, Donna. You built a website that doesn't work. Who, You know, what's going on here? And the pricing wasn't even set correctly yet and, and all that. It was really funny. And then I found out, I wait a minute, this is a real order. We just got our first order. And um, and that person is still with us, you know. I think we're on 
um, box 20 something right now. So wow. you know, she was like free beta. She was like alpha. I don't even know what you'd call, um, call that, that, that stage that we were in that very initial kind of just testing stage. But so that's wonderful to hear, um, that, that she's still with us. And, you know, overall, I think we have, um, on average, we people stay on for, for about a year. Um, wow. we definitely have people stay on for longer. And as far as, you know, from a retention perspective, um, people who buy, you know, the six month gift, I think start to really get used to, um, you know, having that monthly surprise arrive at their doorstep where they get to learn something new. And in the large scheme of things, when you've learned about six new things, you know, something like Egypt, volcanoes, Van Gogh, um, you know, penguins, what have you, after six boxes, you go, wow, there's still so much more for me to learn. Um, so I think it really drives, you know, people to say, I'd, I'd like to renew. My kid just waits for this anxiously every mm-hmm. month. Um, so we, we have, you know, really good uh, renewal rates and really little churn overall. Are they, are they, do you have them on auto renew? Like, let's say, you know, you buy a six month package. Am I now going to get auto charge six months later for like the next six months? Or do they, do they have to opt into it? They have to opt in. Um, if, if you, if you buy it as a gift, you have to opt in. And that's something that we've, it's interesting because subscription services overall have people on auto renew. It just seems to be, yeah. um, kind of the way that the, the business model has been built. And we get, you know, we get two sets of feedbacks on that. And from one perspective, we, we don't want, uh, especially gift givers to be on auto renew because, you know, they may have just chosen to get something for, for six months. And, um, you know, that's kind of all that they're able to, to do. And on the other hand, when we don't have people on auto renew, we get a lot of feedback from parents and, and grandparents and things saying, Oh my, I, you know, please, please put me on auto renew. I certainly don't want this to run out without me knowing or yeah. without me paying attention to actually having to opt back in. Yeah. So it's a really tricky decision to make, I think, as a business um, in that sense. But, you know, I think, I think overall, if you can just be very, uh, you know, you have enough notifications and be able to communicate with customers, then you can usually make it really easy for them to either opt in or opt out either way. Uh, but like one click of a button in the email gets you back in or one click of a button in the email gets you out, uh, I think is the right way to go. Got it. Okay. Okay. So kind of circling right back around to the Shark Tank experience. So you go on Shark Tank, um, you know, you had a very, very interesting experience there where uh, where Robert, you know, was very interested, but then didn't end up, you know, taking it. Lori was there saying, girls, you got this, you got to keep going, you can do it on your own. Um, you know, what, I guess, what impact did being on Shark Tank have not only for your business, but for you and your sister as, as owners? Like, what impact did that really have on you personally as well? I think it was terrific. We had, um, we had such a nice time during the filming of that. It, so, you know, you see about 10 minutes of it on TV. We were in there for over an hour. I couldn't feel my feet by the end of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was such a nerve-wracking experience just in, in prepping to be on, you know, one of my favorite shows and getting in front of some of my, um, you know, people that I watch on, on TV since the beginning of, of Shark Tank. So it was very nerve-wracking in the prep phase, but we really had a very nice conversation with all the different sharks while we were there. Um I mean, we walked out and we're just thrilled that every single one of them loved loved their surprise ride box. They loved the product, and um, you know, Lori went so far as saying it was one of the best gift boxes she'd ever seen. And wow. for for the queen of QVC herself to say that was just such a terrific endorsement. And then we got an offer from Robert, which was wonderful. You know, I think 
um, most teams on who, who pitch in front of the Sharks don't walk away, don't get an offer. So uh, overall, we, we just were so excited um, in how it turned out. You know, we didn't end up accepting Robert's offer, uh, and then he redacted it, and, and that, you know, from a capital raising perspective, it didn't work out. But, you know, that's not something that um, we could have done any differently, I think, uh, overall went, went as, as well as we would have liked, and it was just such a positive experience. So what kind of numbers did you start seeing after Shark Tank? Because all of a sudden now you've got this mass broadcast yeah. sharing and tons and tons of people learning about your business. So what impact did that immediately have? It's interesting. I mean, you go to film um, for Shark Tank, you know, one of your favorite shows, and you're not even sure if it'll air. So, you know, to not bias the investment decisions, they don't actually air all the teams that film in front of the Sharks. So you go out there, uh, you spend a couple of days in Hollywood, and you, you, you go through this experience, and then you walk away and you come back home and you're like, I might never, you know, this, this might be the end of the road on this really fabulous experience. It might not go any further. So we were really excited when we found out that we were going to air. Um, it was just a thrilling. I just remember the moment when we got the email. We were so excited. Uh, we were working from home, and we are like, oh, my God, what does this mean? You know, this is, this is so exciting. We're going to get to watch it watch the filming that, that we were a part of. And uh, we just, once it aired, I mean, we just saw, it, you know, it was monumental. I mean, we saw just a ton of emails, hundreds of emails that night, and, you know, thousands since come in from uh, people who really loved the product, who uh, found that the story really resonated with them, and who were just supporters. And really, really, um, it's been so touching to hear all the different stories. You know, we heard, we heard from an NYPD cop who, uh, gave us his cell phone number and wanted to volunteer his time helping us design the activities because he loves to do projects with his son. Oh, and cool we heard, that? It was amazing. We heard from grandparents who, um, you know, we had one uh, grandma who insisted on giving us her life savings and we didn't accept it, but it was just so touching uh, that Surprise Ride really, um, you know, resonated with her so much. That's so cool. And, and you the guys- order is just... You guys should have a place. You guys should have a place where people can like you know submit their own projects or something like that. That would make. Oh yeah, I know. We'd love to do that. We get a ton of uh, of emails of people. You know, we ask for for the ideas on our kind of uh, contact form, but it would be fun to have a a place where maybe you could even see all the ideas that we get. I think that'd be cool. Oh, that'd be so cool. So I mean, it's been wonderful. We had a couple hundred subscribers when we were on the show, you know, and it went. It just went up, you know, to thousands since. we've it's just been you know the the support that we've gotten through social media and in every other way has been wonderful you know throughout this time you know in startup phase and really now kind of where you are in building and um you know really growth phase have have you had dark moments like you have you had some really down times oh yeah dark times dark times (laughs) happen all the time um what do you do I think one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur is, um, you know, when I worked in banking, I had certainly had really long hours and I would, at least when I woke up every day, I, I sort of could see a light at the end of the tunnel in some ways. And that was, you know, from my hard work, I could see that there was a day maybe when I was going to, um, get a break or, you know, this project was definitely going to happen, et cetera. So my hard work was going to pay off. I think the hard thing in as an entrepreneur is you just don't know where it's all leading. It's it's kind of hard a little bit to see that light at the end of the tunnel sometimes, and that's probably one of the hardest things. The unpredictability is just you know taken to a whole other level. 
um, than any other job I've ever been a part of. So during times like that, I, I find that it's really helpful to have a co-founder or a team that can remind you, um, you know, why, why you're so passionate about this when, when you just feel exhausted um, or when something goes wrong, like a product shipment doesn't come in or, or something, you know, something wrong happens, uh, an email gets sent the wrong way or, or what have you. There's a typo, things that kind of start to irk you a little bit. So I think having Rosie as my co-founder has just been wonderful because we usually can complement each other. If she's feeling down, I bring her up and vice versa. Uh, and I think that's been really helpful. Well, Donna, I want to move into the final part of our segment, which is the favorite five. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite book? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, I just finished, so I read a lot of children's books, which is part of part of my, my work, but it actually brings me a lot of joy. It's great for the imagination. I just finished re- reading Treasure Island. Really? Uh, which is an old classic, and I would encourage everybody to just grab a copy of a fun, you know, young children's chapter book and, and read that. You get through it so much faster, and it's a great break from your everyday, everyday life. How about a favorite business tool, like a tool that you use for your business that really makes life great? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, this is probably a really simple, easy one. It's Google Docs. We use Google Docs constantly. Anytime, um, it, it just really allows for uh, brainstorming to happen, you know, as a team. So if we get, if we're working on any idea, we, we create a Google Doc, we share it with um, anyone on, on the team, and we have them add ideas to it and then respond to each other's ideas so that it evolves and keeps moving forward. And it's just been wonderful. Everything from spreadsheets to just Word documents that um, that we share in Google has been really great. How about your favorite toy that you played with as a kid or maybe favorite like project that you did as a kid? Oh, wow. That's a really fun one. Um, I remember getting this um, this kind of little set of drawers. <laughs> set of drawers? Really, yeah, little set of drawers. And if you, when you opened each drawer, it had different art. Um, materials. So, you know, one was pencils, one was pastels, um, one was crayons and erasers and charcoal and things like that with every drawer. And to me, it was like, oh, wow, this is a whole new world. What are all the things I'm going to create from this little set of drawers? (laughs) So that really, I remember being so excited when I got that. Uh, I don't know if they make it anymore, but it was a lot of fun. All right. How about, um, I know you've traveled a lot, so what is your favorite city that you've been to? Ooh, what a tough question. Yikes. Okay. Um, favorite city that I've been to, I'd maybe say uh, Barcelona. I just love the culture in Barcelona. It's, um, you know, the people stay up late. They have dinner at like 10 or 11, which I love. <laughs> it's just such a joy of life. Um, they take siestas in the middle of the day, which is fabulous. Um, it's on the beach, but it's also got a great urban feel. You know, Spain overall, I just, I love. You know, I always joke and say, if I was born a Spaniard, I'd be pretty proud. <laughs> I'd be pretty happy. I love-, I love being Lebanese and American and Canadian and all these other things as well. But I just love Spain. That's so awesome. I love I love Barcelona. My brother used to live there for uh, quite some time. I got to visit him. It was a beautiful city. Oh, yeah. Isn't it gorgeous? It's yes. Gorgeous city. Okay, very last question. This is a little sure. off the wall. 
I believe that it is very important as a businesswoman to constantly like not take yourself seriously to you know really let out the stress for you know this this entire journey so what do you do to be goofy or to make sure that you're not taking yourself so seriously oh that's a good question um I think that you know your people in life root you the most uh one thing is to stop talking about business at a certain time or in certain places, such as, you know, where you sleep. <laughs> it's really hard um, when you when you build a business to, you, you're constantly thinking about it and you constantly have new ideas that you want to share. But um, I found that it really helps to just not talk about it when I'm at home. It reminds me that, you know, when I'm at home, it's just me, it's just myself. I'm still the same person, you know, who... Uh, played outside when I was 10 and, you know, now loves to uh, go watch a movie or go for a walk or have a really nice meal. And it just kind of roots you in that you're not the business founder, businesswoman, you know, CEO or what have you, whatever the title might be. You're just Donna. You're just good old Donna, sister to someone, daughter to someone else, you know, partner to someone, uh, mom, et cetera. And it just, it keeps me grounded. Love, love that. Well, Donna, I really want to thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your story with us. It was absolutely wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Katie. It's been a pleasure. You guessed it. You can find this interview at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 112. That is 112. Why should you go there? Because I have pulled out some of the best quotes from this conversation which I got to tell you, are always so impactful. They just cut right through it, give you the best of the best and really great little nuggets that that, um, can be really impactful for you. And of course, her favorite five are there and ways to be able to link directly to Donna and her side and how to connect with her, okay? One of the things that I got out of that conversation was actually something that she totally said off the cuff and then never went back to, which was the fact that she puts a book and a snack in every single box. I thought that was brilliant and such a great way to make it very interactive and very holistic. I just, I really love that. So um, I hope that you really enjoyed this conversation today. And more importantly than that, I hope that you got something out of it that you can truly put into practice in your business that makes it move forward because that's what this is all about. We got to learn from each other so that we can make things move forward. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. See ya.